Hello and welcome to the Fire Up Podcast. I'm your host, Deborah Trapin. It's one of my favorite hours of the week. It's time to spill the tea. This show started out as a mini-series in March of 2020. It was a way of gathering our divine sisterhood together during the pandemic, and it's still going strong. If you're new here, welcome. Nearly every week, Molly McKinley and I get together to sip tea, do some breath work, recite affirmations, lead meditation moments, and have a conversation about what we're reading, seeing, or doing. All with a focus on keeping a balance of divine feminine and masculine energies at our table. Most of the time, it's the two of us. Sometimes we have a fellow soul-centered author or entrepreneur join us. Take a moment now to pour your favorite beverage, pop in your earbuds, and snuggle into your coziest spot, or head outdoors for a walk if you prefer, and then get ready to listen in on this hour of togetherness. Hello world, it's Tuesday, and it is time for Spill the Tea. Oh my goodness, I am really, really really excited about today. We've got some amazing cards and a magnificent guest whose name will not be unfamiliar to you. We've talked about Jackie Turner several times on the show in the past. Uh, She's going to join us for the entire show. We're going to do some breathing, talking about tea. We're going to talk about our two cards, and then we are going to dig into this magnificent woman's story. So are you ready, Molly, with some breathing techniques for us today? Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and do, because our card that we had pulled was Mary Magdalene. Um, So it's only appropriate that we focus and practice on our three-part breath. Um, And this is Megan Watterson's um, inspiration um, for this breath work. So let's root um, and reach through the crown. Just one big clearing breath, inhale together and exhale through the mouth deeply and fully letting it go. Let's take a big collective inhale together. I am fully human. Exhale together. Let it go. Big inhale breath together. I am fully divine and exhale breath. Let it go. Big inhale breath, anthropo, that unity of divinity and humanity. And letting it go. Oh, good. There we go. Yes. Soul voice meditation. Yes. Uh, (laughs) We've practiced that many times on the show. So I brought Kalita with me again my hand warmer mug that I got on the Oregon coast. And I actually had a chat with uh, one of our sisters, Christine George in Boston. She was like, Oh my gosh, I have the same mug. So there is someone in Boston who is making hand warmer mugs like the people out here in Oregon. How cool is that? Okay. That's crazy. I love this. My mug today is actually something that you may have seen. This is my famous mug with my daughter's hands on my intentionalities website. So this was one of the props that we used for the peace tea, um, which is really funny, but I am not drinking peace tea today. I am drinking equality and that beautiful blend with our friend comma and um every purchase of this uh proceeds go to her um organization loving me first so to help give women a rise or a hand up so i love that yeah and how about you jackie 
What's what's wow. what's your mug that look like? Yes, best ever. mom ever. I love it. So I'm holding them in my heart when I drink. Oh, Aww. I love it. I love that too. And for those of you on the podcast who are not seeing what she's holding, she is holding a very trendy color. It is very Perry, the the color of the year. Uh, beautiful, beautiful. Yes. Uh, okay, so we have have what's in our cups. Um, I don't think I shared what was in mine. I have Irish breakfast tea. I um, it, it yes. I have to tell you, I've been rewatching Outlander again. Me too. Actually, I started again. Stop it! Oh my <laughs> gosh! I love have you seen this series, Jackie? Yeah, just a couple seasons. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm back in season one and. Woo! Me too. I think I'm like episode five or something. Yeah. Season one, episode five. Oh, it's so steamy that, yeah, I find myself (laughs) sipping the tea. Jamie Clare. Yes. Oh, Jamie and Claire. So good. And I'd forgotten how sweet their and kind of feisty their uh, interactions were at the beginning. Yes. (laughs) Anyways, we digress. Okay. So (laughs) last week, they always distract us, those two. Uh, (laughs) Last week, we pulled our cards. We pulled Mary Magdalene and the threshold archetype. So I'm super excited to hear about the threshold archetype. Malls, will you read? Absolutely. Read to us. us. (laughs) Yes. The threshold archetype from this um, archetype guidebook by Kim Krantz. So you can also follow her at Kim Krantz on um, Instagram too. I just did that myself and um, her Insta is pretty delightful. Already the threshold, the door, the gate, the initiation. We cross thresholds continually, consciously, and unconsciously. Doorways, gates, and entryways grace our path on a daily basis. When this card arises, it signifies that the precipice you stand upon is not your typical one, however. You have arrived at a threshold of initiation here to usher you into a new reality. It requires you to leave behind the you that you thought was so well formed. A new frontier calls. This is not easy work. Threshold initiation means a part of you will be lost in order to make space for what is next. A metaphorical death must occur. Some may not recognize you. You may struggle to recognize yourself. The ground seems to crumble as you free fall into your new reality. This is the liminal realm. One step, dear friend, just take that one necessary step toward the future that calls you. Mm. So, yeah, I um, the threshold for me, you know, this idea of liminal spaces being sort of sacred ground, you know, and when we say liminal, it's it's the space between light and dark, right? It's that. Um, it's the dusk, it's the dawn, right? And mm-hmm. those tend to be very sacred, sacred times. And even with meditation practices, if you're really needing to work through something, going into a meditation practice at dusk or dawn um, tends to be sort of a spiritual time, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's, it's super intriguing um, that we pulled this card with Mary Magdalene and sort of this honoring of the sacred feminine for, for our listeners. Yeah. I love that. Well, and when, as you're talking about that, I'm thinking dusk is my favorite time of day. Mm, Yes. I love the light at dusk, even here in Seattle, when you can't see the sun, but you know, the sun is there. 
there, there is like a, it, there's a filtering of the energy that feels so sacred to me. And I oh, never yeah. really thought about it in, in this idea of the liminal. I mm. love that. Now, now I have a new way to frame it in my mind. I'm rarely up at dawn. <laughs> so I don't experience that very often. <laughs> Well, it's funny that you say that because, you know, my son obviously just graduated from the Marines, uh, Marine boot camp, And so we had to be on base for his graduation at 5 a.m. So and it was really, really interesting because he's been getting up at four, you know, the past three, three uh, months for boot camp. That's just part of the deal. But what was so interesting to me, and I think this is the point that I'd like to em- emphasize about liminal spaces, is that if you're not paying attention, you will miss it. Because when dusk, when dawn came, it was dark and then it was light and the transition would have been missed if we wouldn't have been intentionally looking or being aware of it. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, again, this reminder that these liminal spaces require some consciousness, right? Um, Otherwise it's just dark or light, but we need to be present enough to notice the shifts, right? Mm, so good. Mm. I think about the part that said it was hard. And I think it is hard. Um, when yes. I was in one, someone told me it's like you're taking a trip through a desert and you can't carry everything you started with. You have to figure out what to let go so that you can make it through the transition. And I thought that was helpful. I worked with hospice. And so mm. I saw a lot of people make the ultimate transition through uh the threshold and they had to let go you know first Mm. you know driving or independence or whatever and the ultimate letting go to step through that threshold is so intense and hard it's hard work Mm, I love that and you know when you just said that walking through the desert it reminds me of this story of eating the manna over and over and over again right because there's not you know, you, you get into that idea of simplicity and release, like you said, letting, you know, just the minimum stuff often, you know, so that you don't, uh, that you have enough energy to do, you know, to do the work, to push forward. Mm. It's really, so really cool. My mind is like right now, you know, the, uh, yes, letting go, releasing all of those things. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Well, and I love, so for those of you who don't have a copy of, of this book yet, remember that the, the um, Kim writes in all of the spaces. So the, the, the bulk of it is here, but then all the way around the pages, which I love. Um, I, I know. I, I really, really love it because it makes me engage like with this. her book. You know? I love it. I think it's so much fun, <laughs> but I always love what's on this side because there's just always a a reminder of of looking at things differently. And so she wrote in here, crossing a threshold may not always be voluntary. Sometimes we are thrown across the boundary through circumstances far beyond our control. Either way, we cannot go back. Amen. And I think that we've all just experienced that. I, well, I mean, we all have with COVID, right? And it keeps coming back into our awareness over and over again. We're like, oh, okay, we've passed the threshold and like, nope, still in it, you know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, and me with my divorce this last year was another sort of thrown into it. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy, you know? Um, 
it's hard, hard work. And again, we can fight it or we can flow. And, um, I think part of that effort is, is, the is the flowing and surrendering into it, knowing that we don't know what's that we have to have an ending to have a beginning. Mm. So good. So good. It, well, even in, in the descriptions at the bottom, when she talks about when it's lighter, when it's in light or when it's in dark, the, when it's in light is the ease in the mm. liminal mm-hmm. and the word ease it's, it, it, I love the word, but I don't, I have a hard time with it. So I am working on being easy and in an ease flow more often, because I always want to just be in control mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. what my day looks like, how the situation is. And so ease, I feel like I need to meditate that word. <laughs> well, again, what's the opposite of ease? dis-ease, right? And right, which is, you know, helpful when contemplating ease, right? Because when we're not in ease, we are in disease and, um, is sort of (laughs) the, you know, the toxicity of our planet right now is that we aren't ease. We don't have, it's not easy. We're not in, you know, we're, 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 yes. Well, we are in the middle of a plague. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, I, I, it sounds so biblical to use the word plague, but it really is what it, I mean, we're in the midst of a plague just simply because we have things like vaccines and masks and we, we now have soap and water to, to stop the spread of germs. It doesn't make it any less of a plague. And, and I think that we, there, there's part of us that's expecting us to act like businesses as usual right? Like go, go, go. And then there's this other part where we're like, why I'm so foggy. Like what's, what is, what's happening? I, I, I need a, I need rest, but, but then, but should I have rest? But I need rest, but should I have rest? It's, it's, it's almost dis-ease in the, what we know we need. Oh my, amen. Preach to that. <sighs> Jackie, you feel like you have something on the tip of your tongue or maybe she's uh, frozen. <laughs> oh, maybe she is frozen. I was like, she looks like she's ready to say something. <laughs> Maybe she was frozen. We'll wait to see if she can come back. <laughs> yes, we'll wait to see if she comes back. Um, the the interesting thing about this this whole conversation around disease is that you know it was the oh there she is that um, hi. Oops, I think you're on mute. Um, that we having conversations around dis-ease and, and discomfort and uh, are becoming more comfortable, I think, for us to have because we ha- we're having more sacred conversations than ever, at least in our circles. And so it's, it's fun. To, fun's not the right word. It's, it's a beautiful thing to be able to actually speak about it, right? To, to mm-hmm. get it out. We don't want to miss it. We don't want to miss what's happening globally right now by just trying to do all the busy. We need to think, ah, something important is happening. Let's slow down, pay attention and be present to it. Right. Yeah. I love that. And applying that to the threshold too, right? Like the, even the pandemic to the threshold is that we're all sort of going through this initiation in this moment. Right. And 
you know, again, to your point, Deborah, everyone that I've talked to is just, everyone's so tired and foggy. I mean, it's like, those are the two things I'm exhausted and I have COVID brain, right. And maybe we all do have both of those things, you know, or maybe it's just the energy of being at the threshold requires so much. It's actually draining. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's like, what is the lesson we're not learning? Why do we keep getting knocked back? Like that's, that's what I keep mm-hmm. asking myself, right? It's like we, everyone gets ready and they start making these plans. And then it's like, oh, Macron. <laughs> and everyone's like, ah, it's like, stop, quit. Well, not everyone. A group of people says, all right, let's reel it back in. Um, and I think that's the most interesting thing with the threshold is how we all experience it so differently. Right. Mm. Some people are like, I refuse to be controlled by this. And others are like, I'm going to surrender. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm going to look at this from, uh, for the good of all and the harm of none filter, mm-hmm. right. That, that whether it, it helps or not, it, it can't hurt. If we step back, if we wear a mask, if we do these things, it, it won't hurt us. <laughs> um, so it's, that's really interesting. Maybe there's just a, a layer of of acceptance from both sides that has not been met yet because people are feisty on both sides. (laughs) That is true. Right. Yeah. Hmm. You ask what we need to learn. And I think that's the key. We need to learn to love each other with our differences and it's really hard, but it's all about learning to love. Mm. Mm. Amen. Well, Molly mentioned this last week about, uh, she'd shared this quote and it was around con- uh, how everyone here is, we're always seeking this unconditional love. Like I want to be loved unconditionally when that's actually not the purpose of our journey here. I mean, God did give us dogs. So we have, <laughs> we have this one beautiful place where we, we receive unconditional love. Uh, but in general, our, our connection with other humans is not meant to be unconditional. It's, it's, it's meant to be hot and messy and frustrating and and trying and that's where the growth happens right but you know you know the unconditional we come from unconditional love and we'll return to unconditional love and in the meantime we're learning to accept and you know and love through through the muck you know and I do think that that's the symbol of uh, the lotus flower too, right? From as a yogi, you know, most yogis have adopted the, the symbol of the lotus flower, no mud, no lotus, right? Where, yeah. you know, a flower blooms, auspiciously a flower can only bloom when it has enough nutrients from the mud in the water, right? And if it doesn't get the, the nutrients from the muck, the mud, then it doesn't bloom, right? And so it's this beautiful reminder that, the beauty comes from the hard stuff um, and, uh, and from testing conditions. And there's all kinds of uh, symbology and metaphor within nature um, too, like trees, trees harden in, in conditions of, of, you know, um, bad weather, right? They, they get stronger roots because mm-hmm. they need to, which means that the tree itself gets, um, you know, has, it's it better rooted there. I mean, it's just very interesting how we see that over and over again in nature as a reminder yeah. that it's not about easy, mm-hmm. you know, it's ease, but not necessarily easy, you know? Yeah. yeah. As you're saying that, I felt like I had a little download about like, nature was our books and our learning before books existed. 
Oh, totally. Because like we, we we could sit and learn. At, we learned all of those things. Our ancestors learned those things through nature. They didn't oh. learn them through books or podcasts or or anything like. And and how I feel like over the last in, in decade, but really the last three or four years, that re deep reconnecting with nature, for, especially for me, um, I and I think for you too, malls. And I don't know about you, Jackie, but there's this like I look at my hikes differently. I look at my my daily walks so differently now. It, it it's like church. Mm-hmm. Like, what am I going to see? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And well, and I know that you and your hubs and Rosie, the pup take, take walks and hikes and stuff like that. Um, what, like, what are you feeling in, in that vein, Jackie, what's going on? Oh, over by you? For me, I've been studying Celtic Christianity and, and it's all about understanding God in nature. And they talk about the Bible being our small book to help us individually and nature being our big book our big mm. Bible, right? Where we really get to know God through creation. And it's what we need in our world right now, or we're all going to die, right? I mean, we need to save our earth and we do that through learning from our earth. And so hopefully all of us are being drawn back into the beauty of creation right now. Even mm. I live in a desert, it's hard to find beauty, but I look, I'm looking, I'm trying to have those eyes to see the divine in that sagebrush. And, <laughs> and oh, I love that. The divine in the sagebrush. I feel like that should be like a bumper sticker <laughs> or, or at least a blog post. Hint, hint, yes. hint, yes. hint. Divine, <laughs> divine in the sagebrush. That is sacred language there. Mm, I love that. Okay. Speaking of sacred language and a woman who inspires us all, the card that we pulled last week was, oh, Mary Magdalene, one of the women who would be at that table of the women I would love to have a conversation with. Amen. Yes. And, and while I do feel that I can connect with her spirit, man, it will be so fun at some point. I don't know what that will look like, but sit and have a glass of wine and dish with Mary Magdalene. Well, and we can't talk about Mary Magdalene without talking about Megan Watterson because yes. Megan Watterson um, really has, um, again, we've, we broke apart her book. Um, we'll link that podcast um, in, in the chat um, because she really does a wonderful job, um, you know, as a theologian um, to un- really um, share the, the story of her. So. Yeah. Well, and Megan Watterson, which is, she was the first feminist theologian. I think that I connected with so many of them were a little too, um, I don't know. There was, there was a little too much something that I wasn't ready for yet over the years, but there was something in Megan's voice in, in the tone of her book and, and really Mary Magdalene revealed is about her scripture right? It's about this, the, the hidden scripture that has been unearthed. Uh, those again, you can hear all of the, the, the tidbits that we've shared in the past podcast episodes, but she really digs into the scripture, the, the, and a bit to the relationship between Mary and Jesus. And, you know, for those of you who are raised in the Christian um, religion in particular, like Catholic, Catholic light, uh, there was, and, and Lutheran, there was like this Mary Magdalene was considered a prostitute because of 
oh, I'm going to remember, a shame I can't remember that guy's name, uh, who who decided to, to, to shame her because of the power that she had sitting next to Jesus as, as his right hand, really. Um, But there is also one other um, author that I want to make sure that we remind everyone about, and that was uh, Sophie Bashford. We did a summer series this year on each one of the goddesses in this book. Jackie, if you've not read this book, I highly recommend it. It's it's a super fast read. Uh, Each chapter is about a different um, goddess, Uh, beautiful, amazing woman in history. And inside the book, it's towards the end, right after after Lilith, right before Isis, (laughs) which talks about Mary Magdalene. And the archetypal themes, which I thought would be a fun way to kind of... um, weave our first archetype card together was the archetypal themes of Mary Magdalene are cosmic marriage of divine feminine and masculine flames, sacred sexual partnership and the Christos flame. Mm -hmm. And she really digs into that twin flame idea. And that for so long, not just in Christianity where everything has been about like fine, like God is out here. Like in order to have a relationship with our creator, it has to be outside of us. And twin flames has always been like, find that other person who will complete you. It's not, it's not actually what the teaching was. It's in us. It's lighting that twin flame inside us. And so we'll link to that podcast too. Um, Jackie, I'm super excited to hear your thoughts on Mary Magdalene. Well, I, I just feel like she got such a bad rap in my Christian training and, uh, you know, she had all the demons and she was a prostitute and et cetera, et cetera. And I think what, what I love about the twin flame thing is it's taking us back to pre-Christian thought. I mean, when women and men were equal, it was matriarchal in the societies, but men and women were considered equal. Women were, you know, honored because they're birth givers and birthing things into being and the mother earth and all that, but men were equal. And now it's gotten so unbalanced. And I really believe that we are being called back to that, that time of twin flaming where it really is um, where the women's gifts are, are just as important. Right. Mm, I like that. I love that. The sacred union to the heroes gamos, which is that unity of the sacred feminine and sacred masculine. Right. And, you know, as a yogi, like, for, for me, like those energies exist within everyone, right? And again, so when we talk about gender and genderism, sometimes we get confused um, and thinking that, you know, just because I'm a woman, I'm only feminine, but we have the sacred flame is the masculine, the feminine in, in each of us, yes. um, you know, and that is actually the recipe for creation too. the feminine inspiration, the masculine will has to be working in unison so that we could then can create, so we can take an idea and, and bring it into the material world. So in spirit right. and create, and yeah, I just, um, Yeah, it just, but I think we just get all screwed up because we think of ourselves as men and women and, um, you know, and it's all, I don't know, it's just, it's so so limiting in in a lot of ways, you know? Yeah, but the whole generation below us is not going to have that confusion. That's (laughs) That's right. That is true. That's true. Yes. My nine-year-old granddaughter said to to her, her mom, mom, my generation, we're all angsty and depressed, but we're all gay too. You know, we're all gay. Well, Amen to that. <laughs> well, well, well Molly is often, yeah. 
<laughs> you're gonna say it. We're all a little gay. I think um, that I personally think that everybody's a little gay. Um, well, I think yeah. that we all are all things. Yes. And I think that's, I think that we don't even need the label of heterosexual or homosexual. I think that that was placed upon us as a way of shaming the people who weren't in line with what the leaders were teaching was the right way. Mm. And because you look at these old texts, you look, you even look at movies that are portraying the past and there is so much fluidity in sexuality. I mean, since the beginning of time, you look at the hieroglyphics mm. and, and it, there it's very androgynous. Like even like, it's so interesting to me. We've got, you know, the, Oh shoot. You'll remember Molly, that the, the very curvy, busty belly, Buns. Yeah, the, the Rubenesque model. Yes. Yeah. Well, the, oh, the, our, the uh, statues are, yeah, our Venus of, uh, yes, yes, yes. You're going the right direction. I can't yeah, remember yeah. that what exactly. Is called, uh, <laughs> what is it called? It's Venus of DeMaio. Venus, yes, that's it. Yes. So, oh, so we are among soul sisters here, Jackie. Yes. You're, you're in the, <laughs> thank you for completing our sentence. Uh, the, this we've, we've seen so much over the years. And when I was just having this conversation again with Christine this morning about how, when you start deconstructing or when you start unlearning what you have been told is the only whether it's the only way you can be the only way um, you can truly be a believer, like the only is when you start deconstructing that you, it, you can't unlearn it. <laughs> you can't unlearn would, what you've learned. I would say only is always and nevers, right? Like yeah, those yeah. are three words that need to be struck from our language, right? Yeah. Because they are limiting. Um, and yeah. very few things are only always or never, you know? So, so true. So true. And, and I do to Jackie, to your point, I think it's so beautiful. You know, I know that there are some people regardless of age or generation who are having a really hard time with the gender fluidity. They're having a really hard time with it because of what they've learned is right and wrong. And I, I would just collectively as a community, let's just send them grace on grace on grace in that they haven't found their way yet. And I, I find it so beautiful that every day people are stepping into their truest self. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Well, it's it's a journey. All of us are on a journey, right? I mean, I wasn't where I am now before, and I have to give that grace to everybody. Mm-hmm. And really the, the thing that makes the difference is relationship. If you have a relationship with someone who's gender fluid or gender nonconforming or whatever, and you'd learn to know and love that person, then of course you're going to change your view. It's all relationships. Yes. Well, if you're open-minded, you do. And when you're, when you're not open-minded, you, you create space for organizations like freed hearts, you know, um, mama, mama bear hugs for those, those kids who are coming, um, to understand themselves, whether they're, they're creating a new, um, gender for themselves, or they're saying they, they love someone they're not supposed to love under their house rules, uh, that are still being put on the, on the streets. So for, if that's somebody in your life, remember freed hearts, 
that organization is amazing. They are here in Seattle, but there, there are many organizations like that out there, but I'm even loving seeing that trend, right? Like this, these, and, and they're female organ, female led organizations, these mm-hmm. women stepping into their power, stepping into their purpose and saying, this is going to be awkward for people in my world. Uh, uh, and it's happening for me personally, right. Be talking about all of this other, um, all of these other belief systems felt uncomfortable at first. It was like, oh my gosh, my Christian friends are going to disown me. And I thought, well, if <laughs> I'm, I'm supposed to be talking about this, I feel it. I'm called to, I want to. And I think that's, this is the perfect segue. You know, Mary Magdalene taught us to be bold. Mm. She, she taught us to stand in front of Tiberius Caesar and say, I saw this, mm. I saw this yes. and, and to hold that egg and with truth and conviction and watch it turn red. Right. Yes. And, and we are all channeling her in, in different ways and shapes and forms. And Jackie, you have, you've been such an inspiration to me over the last decade that we've known each other. I've seen you, I mean, you've written so many books. You, you really speak into young adults and you speak into, uh, you know, uh, those of us who are adulting. <laughs> so um, let's, let's shift gears. I'd love to, to read a bio so that the community who hasn't met you yet has just a, a high, high level of who you are. We'll drop a big one in um, to the comments and then let's talk about what's, what's on your heart right now. So for those of you who don't know Jackie Turner, Jackie lives with her husband in Nevada's high desert. As you heard, uh, they spend their mornings hiking through the sagebrush with their oh. dog, Rosie. Jackie loves chocolate babies and coffee with friends. She's worn many hats in her lifetime, therapist, school counselor, camp minister, and mom. Her favorite hats are her writer and her grandmother hats, which Mm -hmm. come in wild colors and don't fit too tightly. (laughs) Yeah. If that does not give you a a picture in Mm. your mind's eye of this amazing woman, hit rewind and watch that. Listen to that again. Even, even your bio just pulls you in. So, so tell us what's, what's on your heart right now. What's, what's happening in your, in your world, Jackie? Well, um, talk about thresholds. I just went through a big one, deciding to retire from my therapy practice. And um, I've been uh, a licensed therapist for 30 years. So it came up on the exact month of my 30th year of being licensed. I didn't oh, always wow. work in that, but I did have that. And, um, that was a big decision and I'm so happy <laughs> snaps to you for making that decision. That, that has got to be, I mean, I, I, I can imagine like all the thoughts that go through yeah. your mind. I loved my clients. I love my coworkers. Um, I felt like all my clients were in a good place to transition to somebody else. And mm-hmm. um, I miss them, but I'm loving the time that I have now. I've decided that time is really a privilege and I'm not gonna not be grateful for the time because I can not wake up to an alarm. I can um, have as much quiet in the morning as I want with my reading and prayer and meditation. I can go for walks every day. I just love it. I've been writing, writing, writing. So yeah, that's my happy, happy thing. Oh, and the other happy thing, I'm hoping my birthday's next month and I'm hoping this is um, the last book that I wrote, Free Singer, uh, which also has a nice, 
connection to the earth story, but it's coming out in audio. And I think it's going to come out in time for my birthday in February. And I'm so excited because I have a friend who's a voiceover actress in LA and she's doing it. And he's really good. She is fantastic. That title tree singer. I mean, that is a brilliant title. I, it just makes me want to pick it up right now. It's such a great book. And I am so excited to have it on audio. I'm that is very, very exciting. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Which actually, you know, the, the interesting thing when, when Jackie and I met, I feel like it was 2013, 2012. I mean, yeah, it was, it was in Reno. It was for a Lexi yeah. event. Right. And so Lexi stands for leaders engaged in exchanging ideas. It's a, a, one of the, uh, the women's conferences that I've co-produced along the way with our dearest Shondell Slayton's. Hi Shondell, we miss you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we met and I, I believe we were, we raised funds to actually have one of your books published. Yeah. You sponsored one of my books because yes. you liked that it was strong female character. It was the, in the um, Bending Willow Bending series. Willow series. Yes, oh, yes. Yeah, it was so cool. Yeah, and so when, when we met, you were really focused on young adults and I thought, what a beautiful legacy to speak into these young women who, who rarely see themselves as the hero, Mm. right? Even though we are all on our own hero's journey, it's we're, we, as the, the female characters are usually being saved by Mm. someone else, as opposed to either saving ourselves or saving others. Um, because that's the reality is, is in real life, we are the ones who save ourselves and save others more often. I feel all day long. Are you kidding me? (laughs) And but, so um, they always do it in my books in community with other people. Yes. Right? I think, yes, we have to be strong. We have to be brave, but we also need each other. So. We need each other. Amen. Amen. Well, and, and along the way, um, I know we've promoted many books for you along the way, including the, the first book that you actually wrote into those, into the adults in us, which I think our community is going to eat up with two spoons. It's called The Retreat, A Tale of Spiritual Awakening. And the it's actually four years old this month. Wow. I looked back at I looked back at the um, so that book that you have in your hands has been sent in the mail. I think I've tracked to six different people at this point. Wow. Uh, I, it's one of those books that is the read this, let's talk about it, and then choose someone to send it to. Mm. Because it it's it everyone find something in there that brings them peace about their own spiritual journey, especially as we get older. <laughs> so I, I would love for you to share kind of the, uh, a synopsis of the book, like what, what's the story about? And yeah, let's start with that. Well, uh, the story is about a burned out missionary who ends up at a conference called the gravity. Uh, well, I don't remember what it's called in the book, but Gravity Center is where I went to the conference and I, I, I was in a burned out place. I was thrust, as you say, sometimes we are thrust through transitions. So I had been working for a large Christian organization. And when I came out as an ally in the LGBT community, I was thrust out into away from that um, non-voluntarily. And I didn't know where I was at with God, with, with anything. I'm, and 
my friend Amy, who I named the main character after, she invited me to this gravity conference and I said I didn't have the money to go because I just lost my job. She raised money for me to go like the character in the book. And then first night I was walking around at night around this large fountain and I thought, what am I doing at a monastery in Nebraska? Yes. <laughs> <to> myself. <laughs> yeah, a monastery in Nebraska. Yeah. That does not seem to connect, but yes, keep going. <laughs> yeah. And then the book just sort of downloaded into my brain. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm on this deconstruction path and um, spiritual contemplative spiritual practices have been really important for me. And how can I share those with other people who may not have opportunities to go to a monastery in Nebraska and take these retreats that I love so very much. And so I just sort of took people along on my retreat. Mm. And I added a lot of spiritual practices that we didn't actually do at that retreat because it was a weekend retreat and, and the one in the book lasts almost a week, I think. But it's more, it, yeah, it's sort of like two things. It's teaching spiritual practices along the way in a story about a, a gal who's trying to figure out her faith post deconstruction. So mm. I, I remember when you were going through that with the church, I, I remember that. And, and Jackie, you being brave and bold and, and authentically open about what was going on made it so much easier for me to feel comfortable in my questioning. And I want to honor that because I know it wasn't easy for you to say, I can't believe it, but the church is firing me because I'm coming out as an ally. Uh, what do I do with this? Mm. I mean, and, and it, it, yeah, there, it and I've watched you, Deborah, and it's been, well, you know, I think what's interesting is, is when, I, as I near 50 for me, like, I'm like, I, I feel like my own, my first memoir is bubbling. I feel like I can hear her words kind of rolling around in my head. And because I feel like I'm more reflective than I've ever been in my whole life. I feel like there's space. I've, maybe it's because I've created the space to have the quiet time more so than ever. But one of the interesting things that um, you've talked about, not only in the, the retreat, but on your blog is this this ability to kind of love yourself through who you used to be and, and who you're becoming. Right. And, and so when I think about that little girl who was told to be quiet in, when we were in word of God class, not to ask those questions, not to ask like, where, where are the women or why, why isn't there more, you know, of X, Y, or Z, whatever the question might be, or why can I give you my money, but you don't want my vote. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, asking those questions. I mean, I was 12, 13 asking those questions and no, they were just like, Shh, don't ask that. Thinking through that and walking along with Amy in this book, I was like, oh, that's why those questions were coming to me. Because someday when I was in my forties, <laughs> I would be able to hug that girl and say, you weren't wrong to ask that. And, and I, and I believe that those who have read the book, at least through the praise that I've read on online, have that same, they feel seen, they feel love, they feel heard, um, understood, loved, hugged, <laughs> hugged through that, that uncertainty where we're like, I, I still believe in God, but it doesn't feel the same as it did back then. Mm 
Right. Mm. Which is good um, to know that how it feels is actually God gets bigger, right? So much yeah. bigger than we ever imagined in our, mm. our God box that we had created. Boom, blown out of the water and better when you get, it's a very disorienting period. As we know, it's disorienting. But when you get to the next stage of faith, as I talked about in the blog that you like so much, uh, Deborah, is, um, you know, reorientation. We don't want to stay in disorientation forever. We reorient and we include so much more into our faith from other faith traditions. And we become a rounder, fuller, deeper, you know, kinder, hopefully, person. Oh my gosh. I love this. Well, and for me as a lesbian, right? Like I've been, you know, the process of self-acceptance, right. And being able to step into truth and know that, um, that I'm not some sort of abomination, um, for being truth, you know, for living in truth, you know, is, is one of those, you know, again, tying it to Mary Magdalene, like every modeled form, every creature that exists, you know, every being is an expression of our creator. Right. And what's beautiful about tying that really that awareness with your character in the book, the retreat, you know, even, and again, to the threshold, our card, right. It's that, that, that space of sort of, you know, refining, redefining and, and true, like what you said, reorientation into a deeper connective faith of, you know, um, and and acceptance of of people as they are and who they are. Um, And that's something that I think, um, you know, is, is always, you know, a good thing, but, you know, lots and lots of uh, having someone who had to come out in my, um, you know, late thirties, you know, was, you know, that conversation I had to come out to every single person over and over and over again. Mm. And everybody always asked the same questions, the exact same questions. It's just a fascinating process of, um, of, of reorientation. I think that's a a beautiful, um, that's beautiful, sacred language, um, you know, that you shared. Mm. Well, and, and you know, what I find interesting is you went into the retreat as Amy mm-hmm. and, and you are now Celeste. <laughs> and I have the sandals that Celeste wears. <laughs> yes. Oh yes. Yes. Like the, there, there, it is it, the becoming. Yeah. So a Celeste Molly is um, an older woman who kind of takes Amy under her wing. She's a spiritual director so now you know I'm more Celeste than I was Amy but it was fun to put all that in those characters yeah I love that well and I think it's the it's the good reminder Jackie that um regardless of age or stage right that that we are sometimes the mentee and we are sometimes the mentor and and I I think that we're seeing each generation becomes more enlightened. It's like the souls come down and they, they don't have to learn all the muckiness. Right. And so I, I'm, I have so much hope. Mm. Like that's, that's why it's, it's so important for us to, to leave this earth functional for mm. these, these beings that are coming down now. Right. It's like, Oh my goodness. Uh, they're they're they have this enlightenment about them a natural knowing that these things don't matter similar to i think i feel how how maybe my generation was like what what does it matter what color they are 
Mm. Like, yeah, it, it, it didn't make sense. Like when my grandparents would say things like that, they learned from their parents, it would be like, Oh, that feels weird. That does not feel right. Right. It, it was the best they knew, but it didn't feel true to me. Just like, I think the next, you know, a couple generations behind us will feel the same. Right. I think that there's, we're seeing that. Mm. I think that's interesting. You're talking about pushing boundaries again, right? The liminal spaces of like pushing boundaries of not seeing, you know, of, of, of color. Right. And then now it's gender and color. We still have tons of work to do there for sure. You know Um, but people always um, you know, always ask the question. It's like, you know, are, are there more people who are transgender now than ever before? Are we just more aware of it or what's happening? Um, And I had read a study, um, a few years back that, um, some of the plastics, you know, in our culture were actually, you know, creating, you know, and I don't know if that's true, uh, you know, like creating more, the males become more feminine, the feminine become more, more masculine. Um, but I don't know if that's actually true or not, but it's an interesting, you know, thought, or if nature itself is evolving into a way, um, where, um, you know, we're finding that, twin flame inside of us and we just present, you know, the adro- in, in androgyny, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phyllis Tickles, one of my favorite authors and in her book, The Great Emergence, she says that every 500 years, God throws a yard sale and just shakes off all the calcification of man-made religion and, and in, not just in religion, but in every area of understanding. And we're in the middle of it, right? We're in the middle of that. We don't know what it's going to look like on the other side, but hopefully it will be beautiful and kinder and more generous and less binary and all of that. Mm. Okay. First of all, Phyllis Tickle, what a great name. Right. I am so excited to be introduced to Phyllis Tickle. And I will absolutely be scouring uh, the bookstore for her books immediately. Oh my goodness. Oh, yes. I've actually read that. Have you? Yes. Um, that is, that's crazy. That book was part of, um, well, that was uh, something that, um, Mary Magdalene, um, excuse me, Megan Watterson had recommended, um, that we, that we read in that um, workshop we took, um, Deborah. Yes. Yeah, it is. I, I guess maybe I just didn't write down the name or just, it didn't tickle me as much as it tickles me now. (laughs) I know we missed it. Yes. Yes. Well, and, and, this is, this is the power. I was asked, um, earlier about like who, who inspires me. And I said, you know, it's interesting. That list is constantly in flux. Mm. I, I don't have, but besides Jesus, the first feminist, just lover of people who taught us this beautiful way that I am re that I'm learning for the first time in my adulthood, right. Actually understanding what the way is, uh, and the fact that he loved naps. I love both of those things, uh, but, <laughs> Jesus but <is> a napper. <laughs> Jesus loved his naps, yes. <laughs> uh, but that this, there is this beautiful, um, cycle of these, these authors that I feel flow in to our spaces when we're ready. And, and when we force it, 
when we force reading a book that, that we're not ready for it, it never really feels, I feel that way about the untethered soul. I read that like 15 years ago and I just didn't really, was like, Oh, was interesting. Like, like pain pockets. What's that about? Like, I just had, didn't have enough experience in my life to actually embrace that. So I look forward to, um, to digging into that. And I don't want to miss talking about the blog series that you, that you mentioned a little bit that we've talked about on on the show a few times, the spiritual practices blog series is you laid out these different stages that one goes through. Uh, And, and I'd love for you to share, to share about that with us. About the stages. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I didn't make that up. (laughs) That goes way back to Teresa of Avila, I think. But um, that was, yeah, that was that our was a, red yeah. thread right there. <laughs> we, we, we brought her up last week. Well, she was oh, our gosh. card we pulled. Yeah. Nice. Oh no. Two weeks ago. So, so we all, all people go through stages of physical development. And in the same way we go through stages of spiritual development. So the first stages are very concrete, very black and white. And that's why we tell kids stories about David and Goliath and, you know, really, good and evil. And that's important. Those are, we don't want to forget that those things are important and good, right? We need Mm -hmm. to include them and transcend them as we grow. And when you get to about stage three, then you're in the us and them group where you're on the inside and it feels so good and it's growing and it's beautiful. And y'all have the same language and the same culture. And then something happens to push you out, (laughs) hitting a wall, right? Dark night of the soul, whatever you want to call it. And that is a very disorienting time when you go into stage four of this, ah, nothing that I used to believe is making sense. And I don't know what I believe. And then as you get further in, you're, you're in that bigger place where you're taking things from different wisdom and, and incorporating them into your life. And so, you know, who knows whoever gets to the final stages of unity with the one or, Um, But we're all on that journey. So we can't look at people that are in stage two and get mad at them because we were all there and we all have to get there to move forward. And Mm -hmm. you can't force anybody, right, to move. But you can encourage people that are near the edge or in the disorientation to move forward. And Mm -hmm. we need that encouragement in those times for sure. That are in the liminal space, you might say. (laughs) Yeah. You know, when you're talking, a a story is coming to mind. um, And that is, again, since we're talking about like being gay and acceptance and all of this kind of stuff is like, I remember when I first came out, I came out the first time I spoke the words out loud were to a friend of mine named Deb Buck and her reaction to my words could have pushed me in or out, right? Because, you know, it, I was testing my, my, I was testing my truth with her and questioning, can I do this? Do I have the courage to be this person? Um, You know, and, you know, her response was just like, so what? So I was like, I can do this, right? Mm. And so it's really important when we talked about containers in the past, um, about how we are all sacred containers and we can hold space for each other's beingness and becomingness. 
and remembering and reminding that if we are wherever, whatever stage we are in that hand back to those folks of acceptance, mm-hmm. right. Of non-judgment encouragement are so critical through liminal spaces because our reaction to someone's truth, right. Can either push them forward or pull them forward, push them back or pull them forward. Right. And Deb Buck was that for me because her was like, so what was enabled me to be who I was born to be. Right. So it's kind of a, yeah. What a blessing. And, and for those of you who don't have a spiritual director, a spiritual director, that's what they do. They hold your story. They hold, they're a container for your spiritual growth. And um, that's one of the disciplines that are spiritual practices we talk about in the retreat too but I just love that picture you're sitting with someone you're holding their story Mm. just being present to their experience it's Mm. so beautiful Mm. I love that may we all be containers for each other right yes yeah well and and the idea of being a container that doesn't hold you back right Mm. but that that allows you to flow over if you need to flow over or, you know, reminds you of uh, that, that whisper that you, that you started with, right. And reminds you of how far you've come. That's so beautiful. Well, and, and, and I loved also, you know, you've talked about not being, you know, kind of not shaming or not being upset with people who are in stage two. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also I loved how in stage five, which I, that's where I kind of identify myself at this point, right? Just all of the learning, all of these other things. I, I had my first shamanic journey last week with a shaman. It was amazing. (laughs) Nothing I had ever experienced. And, and I, you know, the, the reason that I felt confident to do this because we met Mara and, and she explained things. She Mm -hmm. had a knowledge, right? So I was for so long, I had been under falsehoods, right? I was taught inaccurate information by people who thought they were teaching me the truth. (laughs) And, and so that's why it's so important that, people who have voice, who have words flowing through them, like you, Jackie, that you, you actually put that pen to paper, you tap the keyboard, you speak in, into the apps that turn your, your calling into something that we can all really truly let soak into our souls because you, you help us be brave. You truly help us be brave and, and to not, and to recognize that somebody who's in stage three might look at me in stage five and go, Whoa, (laughs) like what happened to her? You know, like she's become, I think you say, you say like the liberal Christian, right. The like, and like that, this is such a bad thing. And, and I've, I've thought about that over the years and it actually was part of my intention setting this year was to let go of another layer of the fear of judgment as yeah. I step deeper into it. Um, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Like as you, so obviously you, you were brave at the beginning when you, when you came out as an ally, but what, a, how has that changed over, over your life? I think the biggest thing has changed is I just don't really care anymore. <laughs> what other people think, you know, I mean, that's hard. I've always been a people pleaser, Mm -hmm. but, um, I mean, I lost friends, my family, I had family members that 
unfriended me. Um, my best friend. I, I mean, nothing compared to what our friends on the rainbow uh, feel every day. But it's gotten to the point where this is my truth. And I'm on a journey and I'm honest about it. And I'm not going to apologize anymore to anybody. Right. I'm just I have people sometimes that write on on my uh, Facebook, you know, they feel like I'm on that slippery slope, but I don't respond because I don't really care anymore. I, I have I can love beyond the slippery slope. I just don't understand it. But uh, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. It's Jesus. That was Jesus. <laughs> Jesus was on the slippery slope of his day. Right. We just simply just don't talk about it that way. Right. It's just, that's not how it, it's yeah. um, how it's communicated to us when we're sitting in a pew in church. Um, but I, I think that we, when we do live our truth out loud and on purpose and, and on our own terms, right. That there is, that there's, we become a beacon that, that allows other people to, to step into their own. Right. And, and it is such a great reminder of the grace to give others grace. And because we don't know who we're becoming, we could look back on our stage five at stage six and go, Oh, what a wee one I was. <laughs> well, that's, that is, that is a guaranteed, right? That is one of the only certainties, you know, yeah. is that growth always lets us look back and be like, Oh man, you know, yes. Yes. Some work to do. (laughs) Yes. The quote quote that keeps um, swirling through my head was from um, one of the other speakers at this holistic health conference that I participated in last week. She said, uh, I, I don't know who, who said it originally. It's kind of one of those that's been attributed to lots and lots of people, but it was change is inevitable. Suffering is optional. Mm. Amen. Um, it likely, I mean, it feels very Buddhist. Um, yeah. and that's like one of the, you know, one of the lines, um, that it, that it connects back to but that, yeah, we have a, ch- we're always changing. It's just, do we need, I don't want to suffer through it. I really truly do want to soak every little morsel out of every lesson. And I, I don't really want to have to relearn any lessons. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Well, we're, we're at almost, we're out of time almost. So let's let Jackie meditate us out. Would you do this? Would you do the honor of, of oh, oh, real quick our, our before final... we, before we meditate, oh, yes. let's, let's make sure we ask, um, is there anything oh, that yes, you, yes. and any last words of wisdom that you want to sprinkle over the community? Is there something on your heart that we haven't talked about yet? I just want to give hope that this hard time that we're in is birthing something new. I really feel the birth mm-hmm. pains are happening. Something new is being born. So don't, don't, wallow in the pain of right now but try to hold on to that hope hold on to the hope that something new is coming something better and it will get better and find your friends and family that you can get through this with Mm. Mm, that is beautiful birthing pains Mm -hmm. that's that's a beautiful metaphor Thank you so much all right so the contraction the great contraction right oh my gosh It's so many ways. I love that. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's take a breath all the way in, all the way out. And just picture holding the new things you might've heard today, the things that are resonating 
in your heart or your mind, one thing, one thing that you want to focus on to move forward into this beauty of birthing, the transition, this liminal space, this threshold, what will you let go of? What will you take with you? Deep breath, let it out. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much, Jackie. I feel like uh, I, I need to take pen to paper and do a journal now with some of those uh, things. I love that. Yes, absolutely. Uh, for those of you who are watching us live, we'll be sure that what we haven't added in the chat, we will as far as links, ways to get connected with Jackie, because I know there's going to be some people who are so excited to get connected with you, Jackie. Uh, the, uh, the link to the book will be in there for sure. Link to the blog posts, all of those things. And please do uh, keep Jackie in your prayers, send her blessings over this new chapter that she is walking into with her amazing husband and sweet pup, Rosie, and all those grandbabies, uh, as well as don't keep her a secret, follow her on Facebook, share her Facebook page with the people in your world who you believe that she would resonate with. Let's, let's, um, let's make her circle bigger. Let's get her word out there. All right, everyone, until we see you next week, good, take good care. Oh, oh, wait, shoot. We need to oh, pull we our cards. Pull. Oh, shoot. Okay, got to pull. Got to pull, got to pull. Oh, I'm so glad. I, Mary told me. She said, oh, geez. Lizzie, Lizzie's reminding us. <laughs> Lizzie's like, oh boy, that was close, ladies. That was close. Well, we'll give more kisses in a second. Okay, so you want to pull an archetype card? Yeah, shuffling really quickly. Shuff, shuff, shuffling. Okay. Ooh, the lover. Ooh. All right. The, was that a, is that a swan on there? It is. It's a, oh, a lovely that. swan with like a pearl in the center or golden something. Mm, lover. Mm, mm, mm. I love that so much. Oh my gosh. All right. Shuffle in the cards. Shuffle in the cards. Ooh. Freya. Okay. Wow. Okay. The goddess of discernment. Interesting. Mm -mm. Discernment and the lover. Huh. And Freya is uh, the goddess of Friday too. So that's fun. All right. So next week we'll be talking about Freya and the lover. <laughs> All right. Now, now we really are saying goodbye, everyone. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining Bye-bye. Thank you, Jackie, you for sharing your wisdom. Thank you for spilling the tea with Molly and me today. It was our heart's desire to provide a sacred space to learn and laugh together and to reset our mindsets for the week ahead. We do hope that you enjoyed hearing our thoughts and stories about our favorite people, products, and initiatives, positively serving humanity and sprinkling joy over their slice of the galaxy. Want to connect with us? Head on over to those show notes and click on the links. Let's all confidently step into tomorrow, intentionally leading with divine love, gratitude, and faith. Psst. Hey, if you like the show, we'd love for you to click those stars and leave us a review. And don't keep us a secret. Share us with a friend. We love expanding the circle. Thanks.